Hey, Scott here with Grace Bible Church. Before we get into this message, I just wanted to thank you for streaming this sermon. We pray that each week you are challenged by who God is and what he has done for you. Now, this is never meant to be a substitute for you to be an active member of a community of faith. If you live in the Hollidaysburg area, or if you're in town for any reason, we encourage you to gather with us on Sunday mornings for our word and worship. You can learn more about what God is doing through our church body on our website, gbclive.org. All right, so this is your responsibility for the church. Uh, The previous weeks, we've been discussing uh, leadership, uh, eldership, and what that looks like as far as um, the responsibilities, and not only that, but the qualifications. And then last week, we kind of went towards a slightly different direction with deacons um, that aren't necessarily elders. uh, And deacons are more of a servant-oriented leadership role. And also talked a little bit about the qualifications of deacons. So this week is the final week of the the leading one another uh, portion of the quarter and talking about your responsibility or my responsibility, our responsibility as the church for the church. Lots of discussion today, folks. Uh, I really liked that last time I taught this. Um, felt like we had some really good en- engagement. Um, so if you didn't, didn't already put your thinking cap on, please put your thinking cap on. Um, and we'll just open up with a question. So what are some things or people in your life that you're that you are responsible for? Some things or people. And go. My boys. Say what? My boys. My boys. <laughs> My homie. <laughs> I was thinking the same. Yeah. What else? And yes, I'm like a kindergartner that likes to write on stuff. So just, I, I like it. Hey, there's Scott. Hey, Scott. Finances. Finances. Ooh, that's good. Well, how about we'll just do this? Okay. <laughs> it's a little messy for my life. It'll do. Okay. What else? Perfect. My, my boy's money. <laughs> What are you responsible for? Don't be shy. Pets. See, this ain't hard. Chores. Chores? Home? Oh, I knew somebody was going to say that. work huh meals we can exhaust this a little bit it's okay your actions responsible for your actions sound like you're parenting me right now (laughs) okay good Aging parents. 
Uh, two thumbs down on that from Tyler. <laughs> Crystal, do you hear that? <laughs> Anything else? Okay. So we kind of see just this is what, like a minute and a half maybe of talking about responsibility and stuff. So how do those impact your day-to-day priorities and your life and your decisions? All this stuff that we just talked about. How does that impact what you do? Could be like one overarching answer to it. Ooh, so it can be controlling. What else? What effect does it have on your life? Having scheduling? scheduling? Yeah, good. It's just, yeah, it's on your mind. Mood, good. Yeah. So, so like this overwhelming um, feeling, yeah. Yeah. Or, or hang on one second. Or, or like submission. I guess I think was what uh, Mark was kind of saying there. Like you got to submit something. Sorry, Laura. Go ahead. <laughs> I got the pencil knife. <laughs> and then just going like off of those things. Sometimes then it means you have to say no to other things. Okay. Yeah. So why don't we say? Crap. I always misspell this word. Just discernment? Maybe? Is that right? All right, so you so you know what I mean. So you know what I mean. Okay. I'm gonna just, I'm gonna start just drawing pictures. Like a, a happy Laura and a sad Laura. That would be hard to draw discernment. <laughs> yeah, but we've been playing charades at our house a lot too, like act out discernment. Okay. So, when I think of this question, I think that you're you're now putting something in front of yourself, or someone in front of yourself, whether it be an elderly parent, whether it be kids, you know, these responsibilities. You're partaking in that, but it, it means that you're you're now looking at something through a grid other than just maybe what what you want. Um, which I think, if we think about our main idea here today, this this can get a little tricky. But um, but we're going to navigate. Oh, there's handouts in the back too. If ain't, nobody got a handout, you probably want to have one of those to navigate through. Um, passages are on there, and the questions are on there. Uh, I'm going to re- read our main idea here. This is, while 
elders have a special responsibility to preach the word and shepherd the church, which is what we've talked about in previous weeks here. The whole congregation is finally accountable before God for the church's doctrine and discipline. So we're going to go ahead and jump right into one of the passages um, that we're going to be discussing. I noticed in that main idea, um, it mentions this idea of doctrine and discipline. So if you already have your handout, you'll see that there's two main passages. First passage we're going to talk through in Galatians deals with this idea of doctrine. And the second passage that we're going to be talking through in 1 Corinthians has to do with this idea of discipline. So I also want to say is we've we've tackled a lot of these concepts already in this class um, in, in previous seasons of Healthy Church regarding membership and regarding discipline. And again, those there's some books back there that specifically hone in on those those particular topics. Um, so if that if that's something you want to know more of, there are resources available to you. Um, but in regards to this idea of doctrine. Uh, let's let's look at Galatians 1, 1 through 10. And I do have it up here on the screen, but if you want to follow along your Bibles or on your handout, you can. So this is Galatians 1, 1 through 10. Uh, idea being focus on uh, doctrine. So Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me to the churches of Galatia, Grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. And we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. So we'll kind of like take this in uh, some chunks. This passage, uh, starting really with verses uh, six through seven. I mean, we can reference uh, verses one through five if needs be. Uh, but these, uh, this question one is, what is Paul astonished about in verses six and seven? Anybody? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Go ahead. Wait. That was way better than her answer would have been. So, yeah. So, followers were deserting. Oh, nice. Yeah. 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 This was kind of like, yeah, 1.0, church 1.0 here. <laughs> And yeah, yep. So with that, I was going to put this up eventually. 
So just the, that idea of, wow, that's really bright. Like, did that get really bright all of a sudden? Um, so this is why I think doctrine is super important. And there is a book back there on sound doctrine. I haven't read that one yet. Um, but this is why sound doctrine is so important. So I have a little image down here. Um, it says there, there's us. There we are. And then here's our, our mission, right, is helping others to follow Jesus, a.k.a. living out the gospel. So what, like, sound doctrine can do, <laughs> the teaching can, can head sh straight for the bullseye, right? We, we have our goal. This is what this is the mission that we're on. And we'll learn about this a lot in the next coming weeks as we talk about discipling. I mean, it's got discipline right in it. Um, but it, like Tyler said, so they quickly got off course. Okay, so if we just look at see this this first degree here. So you might think, oh, that's not that bad. But I mean, if you're at sea, right, and you're plotting a course, and you got no landmarks around you whatsoever. And, okay, so, so we're only off by a little bit. Follow that trajectory, right? And this is really hard, but I think I, let me see if that works better. Like defaults. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> You guys are too easy for my next trick, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> so, but do we see the concept here? Okay, so our doctrine's off only by a little bit without any course correct, okay? So we're human. This is going to happen. Sorry to, to tell you that, but this is the world we live in. We're going to be off a little bit. We need sound doctrine and people teaching and leading sound doctrine to bring us back to the course that we're on. So... That's just like an image or a visual to kind of help you see why this passage is vital to even us today and them then. Second question. What are those that are, who are troubling the Galatians doing? More focused on verse 7, still in chapter 1. Exactly. So it's like cause and effect, right? And we studied Galatians right before we jumped into season five here. So again, uh, if you go back and, and you can listen to those, study that. That's, that's the, the, the pulse of Galatians. Is the Judaizers were distorting the gospel, adding to the gospel, so that these new believers were then thinking, oh, this is actually what I need to be saved. And then... Follow that out. Like, then they're telling others that that's how to get saved. And then they're telling us, do you see how that works? Like, we multiply regardless. Well, there was good doctrine, bad doctrine. So that was the fear here and why Paul felt like he needed to write to the Galatians. Next question. On whom does Paul pronounce a curse <clears throat> twice, mind you, in verses 8 and 9? Yeah, so the same people that we were talking about that were distorting the gospel, that should add a little bit of gravity to what Paul is writing here. If you're reading this letter, you're not just going to passively read this because he says it twice in a row. If you didn't pick up on that when we read it, I mean, it's right there. So 
Why is preaching a false gospel such a serious matter? It's kind of a heavy question, but it's supposed to be a heavy question. Why does it even matter? I think like you're leading astray people who are under your care, you know, that these people who you're responsible for and you're taking them along the way. Yeah. What's that? Yeah. So let's add in let's add in eternity. So what Jake said is if if you're kind of leading people and you're leading them in the wrong direction, it could and what like Dave said, it it could have eternal ramifications. Possibly. But who is Paul's letter addressed to? (laughs) Yeah, Church of Galatia. He's not specifically talking, writing to the pastors of the Church of Galatia. He's writing to the Church of Galatia, the people, the body. So with that, why don't we just do a quick illustration and everybody raise their hand if you feel like you are not obeying the teaching of Jesus Christ 100%. All right, keep your hands up, please, Carly. Don't get lazy on me. All right, so keep your hand. Hey, there's Daryl. I didn't even see you back there, buddy. So Daryl is obeying perfectly. Uh, or, if, or does it hurt to put your hand up? He was it. You doing all right? Okay. So everybody look around a little bit while your hand's up. So let's just pretend pastors had to deal. So like if I would just start writing all the ways that you guys with your hands up are not following Jesus well, we can put our hands down <coughs> and thinking, <laughs> thinking we're going we're gonna to need a pastor to deal with each and every one of us and each and every individual sin and each and every individual unbelief. I think if you kind of think through that logic, that's going to be pretty tough. So that is why it's important that the body understands sound doctrine and we would be able to lead one another through it. So according to this passage, who is ultimately responsible for ensuring that the church is teaching sound doctrine? The church. Yeah, some of these are softballs. That's okay. Like, it's the church. So, <laughs> later. So, yeah, if, if the teaching is off, it, even elders, deacons, you know, they've got the wires crossed. You know, it's we're saying the responsibility is to lovingly course correct. So that was doctrine. Now we're going to talk more about discipline. This is found in 1 Corinthians 5, 1 through 5. Again, Paul writes, It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and of a kind that is not tolerated even among the pagans. For a man has his father's wife. And if you are, and you are arrogant, ought you not rather to mourn? Let him who has done this be removed from among you. For though absent in the body, I am present in the spirit 
and as if present, I have already pronounced judgment on the one who did such a thing. When you are assembled in the name of the Lord Jesus and my spirit is present with the power of our Lord Jesus, you are to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of the flesh so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. Some pretty harsh language, right? Dealing with discipline. So question number one here is what are the Corinthians tolerating? I got sexual immorality. Basically, sexual sexual immorality that's not that's so bad. Even the even the pagans, pagans. non Christians are like, whoa, that's, that's pretty messed up. Yeah. <laughs> so even even the pagan even the pagans would say, man, that's messed up. But what's the what is their attitude towards this person and his sin? Yeah. Yeah, they're arrogant. You ever Dave said to live and let live or like to each his own. So again, we're talking discipline here. What does Paul tell the Corinthians to do about this? This is in verse 2. Removal or excommunication. He be removed among you, from among you. Again, we're talking gravity here. We know that sin is a big deal. Even in the heart of a believer, one little degree can lead to years of struggle. Not to say that people can't repent and reorient and have faith, but think of it as if if you're struggling with addiction, if you've been around people that have struggled with addiction, whether whatever that may be, would it not be so much more powerful to come alongside somebody that's just a little off, that you know them so well that you know they're not following Christ and what they're doing and, and what they're putting their desire in? And... And then getting them right back onto that, that on track, as opposed to just letting them drift away. Think about how hard that is then to to reorient and come back. I mean, if you've ever been involved with people with addiction, I mean, that's that's a long road sometimes, right? So, think of that here. This person is struggling with sexual immorality, and if you, like Dave said, if you just kind of like take a passive approach to this. He's saying, if you're just arrogant in this, thinking like, oh, it's all going to work out, how loving is that? That's not leading. So this, it, this, this kind of starts to get focused here on, on GBC as we ask this next question. And I put this passage up too uh, for us to look at. So the question is, as we saw in Galatians 1, every church member is accountable to ensure that their church preaches the gospel faithfully. So that's the doctrine. But what are some practical ways that you can exercise this responsibility? So this kind of gets a little tough if we don't have like some groundwork here. So I put Acts 17, 10 through 11 up here. What are, what's something that 
we can do, we can exercise to practically live this out. Maybe in like a first step. Yeah, so what are some practical ways you can exercise the responsibility of keeping your church accountable? Okay. Examine the scriptures. Maybe how often? If you're if you're going to like recommend like a time frame like huh? Daily. Okay. To see if these were things were so. So if we don't have a true north, right? If you ever we just go back to like the compass analogy, if that is is wavering and we don't know what truth is, then it's going to be really hard to course correct, right? You're going to not you're not going to know if you're on base. If you don't know what base looks like, right? So I love this. I mean, we actually have a Sunday school class that is named after this this passage pretty much the Bereans, right? So what was happening in Thessalonica, yeah, that, that church. Um, Berea has such a crisp name to it. So like what, what Paul and Silas, this is verse 10, says, the brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the Jewish, Jewish synagogue. Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalon- Thessalonica. Wow, why am I struggling with that one? They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. So I've been reminded just in my walk with Christ to regularly take sermons and Bible studies back to the Bible because we can easily, ciao, we can easily find somebody that tickles our ears like the Bible says and just their preferences line up with my preferences doctrinally. And it's not actually the truth that's in the Bible. So we, we try to lead Bible workshops here at Grace Bible Church. Um, we try to teach in a way uh, when we do expositional sh- series here. I like stop drinking this, man. <laughs> it's slurring my speech. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Something. So... We, we do all those things for this purpose only, not drinking White Claws. But leading Bible studies, Bible workshops, not necessarily a Bible study, so that you can learn to read your Bibles with context. Okay, We talk about things like biblical theology, not because we're just Jesus freaks and Bible dorks. It's because that's how we're supposed to live as a church. We're supposed to see the story as all one story so that we don't get off base. So that we know, wait a second, that doesn't really line up with this. Take the time to exhaust that a little bit. Grab another brother, grab another sister to say, I don't really understand this Bible passage. Like this doesn't seem like it lines up with God's character. And that's okay. That's how he grows us. That's how he sanctifies us. Okay. So if we're not currently doing that, in our relationships as the body, then it's going to be really hard for us to keep leaders accountable, right? It's going to be really hard for us to discipline one another because at that point, it might sound like opinion-based. 
So step, step one, examine your scriptures. If you're not doing that, do that. If you're not doing that, you're, you're, you're doing something wrong. That's, that's all I'm going to say. Dave. It, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the Old Testament doesn't might not seem as applicable, but I would say that someone might say that if they have not examined the scriptures daily and haven't seen the idea of biblical theology and how it all connects. So I would just encourage you guys to put yourself in that kind of situation. If you don't feel like you're rubbing shoulders with people that you're not growing, I would encourage you to do that. So I'm going to leave you pretty much with this. This is a quote from Jerry Bridges from his book, The Crisis of Caring, Recovering the Meaning of True Fellowship. He says, for many years, I took an individualistic approach to the Christian life. I was concerned about my growth as a Christian, my progress in holiness, my acquisition of ministry skills. I prayed that God would enable me to be more holy in my personal life and more effective in my evangelism. I asked God's blessing in my church and the Christian organization I worked for. But I learned more about true fellowship. And as I did, I began to pray that we as the body of Christ would grow in holiness, that we would be more effective witnesses to the saving grace of Christ. It is the entire body, not just me, that needs to grow. So wouldn't it be like perfect church, okay? Let's just pretend we're in perfect church. If we knew each other well enough to just know, and I know you guys have those friends where they walk into a room, I don't know, like me and Tiff would, Tiff and I, would walk into a room and go into a friend's house and we don't have to like say anything and they're like, what, what's going on? What, what were you guys talking about as you were fighting in the car right before you walked in this door? It's like, okay, perfect church would look like we walk through these doors, right? And I don't know, 45 minutes goes by maybe and somebody says, Adam, Tiff, like, you guys okay? You want to talk through this? And we would say, actually, 164 people already asked us if we were okay. Um, and we already talked through it like three times with people. Um, so get off, you know, get off my back now. But you see what I mean? Like it shouldn't, it, should, it shouldn't be like pulling teeth to try to help our brothers and sisters here at Grace Bible Church. Okay? And it is going to be like pulling teeth if we're out for our own, like, like Bridges is saying here. So I say that to say, if, if you're thinking gathering here is about you, you're off base. That degree, you're, you're at that degree, okay? It's not right. So focus on loving the people here. Focus on loving our leaders, leading them, or helping, helping them lead would be good. I'll go ahead and pray. And then next week... Hang on. Oh, that's our main idea. Who cares? So next week is discipling, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. Show up to that. Should be good.